0: Our theme scripture, Philippians 2 and 5 states, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We have been dealing with the little word let and have found out that though it's a small word, is very profound. We, we have put forth numerous definitions in reference to the word let. But I only want you to consider one definition this morning. To let or allow means to yield completely to. Something of somebody. Theologically, as children of God that are striving to have a Christ-like mind, we need to yield completely to God and all that pertains to him in totality. We need to be to the point to where we yield our spirit, soul, and body. Breaking it down further, we need to yield our thoughts, our words, and our deeds unto our God. Again, we need to wholly or completely submit to the will of God. And from a personal standpoint, we need to put emphasis on certain things in reference to our life that we need to yield wholly unto God. One of the things that we need to yield completely to him is our eyes. Literally what we see with. But I specifically want to deal with eyes from a figurative standpoint. Figuratively, the eyes have to do with our perception or understanding of something in a specific or particular way. We need to make sure that we we understand things based upon the written and revealed will of God and make such a priority in our lives. Because often... You have people that will prioritize what they perceive or understand a person is saying. Uh, they will put what a professional or someone else says before God. No. There's nothing wrong with you perceiving or understanding what somebody has told you about yourself. But that does not need to be a priority. Let that be secondary. Because the Bible tells us, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. I hear what you're saying about me, but I can't agree with you because God is saying something different. You're saying I'll never be able to have it, but I'm not agreeing with you even though you have showed me on paper why I can agree with you because God's word is bigger than what you done put on paper. And even though what you have on paper may be my present situation is not the end of my story. Say to your neighbor, God has to be number one. And when God is your priority, your life will change for the better. Consider Matthew 6 and 33. Jesus gives us one reason why. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and things shall be added to you. That means when you put God first, your life will start to change for the better. And, And some of us looking funny, but some of us should be clapping right now. Why? Because you know that verse is true. You are living testimony that if you put God number one in your life, he'll change your life. If you put God number one In your life He'll do what a degree can't do He will do what a degree can't do He will do what money can't do He will do what your best friend can't do Say to somebody can't Nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody Do you like Jesus But some things you will never experience until he becomes the priority in your life. And and emphasis was put on putting God first in the Old and the New Testament. And because Malachi 3 and 6 says God changes not, we still need to make God a priority. I said, we still need to make God a priority. And so we need to yield our eyes completely unto the things of God and make that a priority. And again, figuratively, when it, when it comes to the eyes, the first thing we need to understand is that it represents our perception or understanding about a particular thing but secondly when it comes to our eyes from a figurative standpoint it represents our mental focus our being single minded concentrating but doing so in a serious manner Knowing that distractions are all around. But you're yet focused on that which pertains to God. There's a distraction that has been telling you How worse your physical condition is getting. But your mental focus is, He's Jehovah Rapha. And according to Isaiah and first Peter, his stripes represent my healing. According to various scriptures in the Bible, healing is the children's bread. And so there there are distractions around you. You are single-minded when it comes to putting what God told you or what God promised you first. Now some of us are not in that place. I said some of us are not in that place. You're not in a place to where you are able to focus on God first. You're not in a place to where you can focus on what God promised and and that thing has settled in your spirit or your God consciousness. Some of us are back and forth when, when it comes to trying to be focused and deal with distractions. We, we still have not learned how to put distractions in their proper place. I'm not telling you to ignore a report, but I am telling you to recognize that God is bigger than any report. And that's Bible. That's the reason Paul and Isaiah had, had to put forth to the people of God, whose report are you going to believe? He was not, or they were not suggesting or saying to them that you need to forget the report that you got from a person or persons, but they were simply saying, you're going to have to make a choice. Either you're going to trust God to do what he said, or you're going to agree with what people are saying. And, and I just want to just ask the question right now to just sell something. Whose report are you going to believe? Woo! Ask somebody for me because I didn't hear enough answers. Just ask somebody beside you or in front of you whose report are you going to believe? Matter of fact, let's do it another way. If, if you... Done made up in your mind. You're going to believe the report of the Lord. Stand your feet and give him praise and say, Lord, I'm just going to believe your report. And some of us doing it, knowing that our eyes are not as focused as they need to be. Your perception, your understanding is not in the place that it needs to be. But you're standing up because you're just trusting. By the time that God gets done with you, you're going to be thinking the way you need to think. You're going to be talking the way you need to talk. And you're going to be doing what you need to do. And so the proverb writer, he helps us when it comes to our eyes or our mental focus. He helps us because if you'll notice, when it comes to the eyes, he basically says that we need to look straight ahead. I said he basically tells us that we need to look straight Ahead, Now, in the text, he says, let your eyes look straight ahead. But he's talking about us as a person. He's just using it in a metaphoric a proverbial way, but we have to look straight ahead. Now, what that says to us as we break the verse down is that we need to be steadfast. We need to be fixed. To the point to where we will not allow anything or anybody to move us out of the will of God. Why is that? The best place to be and the safest place to be is in the will of God. Say it a little louder. The best place to be and the safest place to be is in the will of God. Preach to somebody the best place to be. But we have to understand when when we are in the will of God, it takes work to stay there. I said it takes work to stay in the will of God. One of the reasons it takes work to stay in the will of God is because of distractions such as the flesh. The flesh will try to get you out of the will of God because the flesh fights the spirit or fights your God consciousness. God done told you to pray every day, but the flesh shows up and gives you reasons why you shouldn't pray. God says bring him his tithes and offerings every day. Sunday, but the flesh shows up and gives you excuses as to why you shouldn't give God his money. And and so you have to fight, you have to work at staying in the will of God. Because like it or not, there are times to where you will actually pay attention or more attention to the flesh than you should. Woo, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. I said there are times when you will actually pay more attention to the flesh. Or that which is contrary to the will of God than you should. Woo, ask a neighbor before I go any further. Have you ever been guilty? Matter of fact, you'll start earning out your mouth. The flesh say, you know, you're tired. You need to just rest a little bit. Oh, I do need to rest a little, a little bit longer. No, you can't, you can't rest when it's your prayer hour. You can't rest when it's time for you to give. You got to let the flesh know, or put the flesh in subjection. You have to be steadfast. And so Paul told the church in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, Be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of will of God. But then he closed the verse by saying, Because you know your labor, your work, Is not in vain. Sometimes it's a struggle to get up and do what God has been telling you to do, but it's not in vain. Sometimes you have to fight to do right, even though you know right, but it's not in vain. Sometimes you have to go through trials, tribulations, ups. And down in trusting and believing God for a healing, for a deliverance, or something else, but it's not in vain. Why is it not in vain? Because God is going to make sure everything that he told you he was going to do that he's going to manifest it. He's going to make sure that it comes forth. He's going to make sure if he told you he was going to give you your desire that it's going to come forth. And you know I like to say it may not be on your timetable but God is going to do it and some of us know why because God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent has he said it will he not do it tell somebody he'll make it good God is good at making happen what he promised I said God is good at making happen what he promised that's good preaching preach to somebody God is good At making happen. Finish it. We gotta get like Paul. Paul so understood it to where he told the church all of the promises of God in him are and a. I said in him are and I gotta be steadfast. I gotta, I gotta look straight. Ahead. Your buddy coming over talking this, that, and the other. You gotta you gotta dismiss your buddy and say, Look, I ain't got time for it. Today is too much on my plate that the Lord has told me to do. Things come in the mail trying to get you to focus on them instead of focusing on the word that God has had you meditating on all week. You got to let the bills know, yeah, I see what I owe, but I've got to focus on God because he told me if I seek him first and his righteousness, that he would add what I need. He'll give me the money some way or somehow to take care of you, but you're not going to be my Focus. Say to your neighbor, you got to learn how to look straight ahead. And then you got to use your eyelids to help protect you. Say to your neighbor, literally the eyelids help protect your eyes. What do they do when, when, when a gnat or uh, something is trying to get in your eye? You use them eyelids to close it, to stop that gnat from, from doing exactly what he wants to do. You got to have scripture down on the inside of you when an enemy comes trying to attack your focus, trying to attack your eyes, that's going to protect you, going to shield you. From allowing any enemy to get to your spirit. To get to your God consciousness and disrupt what God has ordained for your life. But then he went further. He went further. He left talking about the eyes. And he went to talking about the feet. Notice what he says again about the feet in reference to pondering. Notice this. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Simple definition for ponder to prepare or be ready. You have to prepare your feet. Feed a figurative of your your ways, your conduct, your behavior, your lifestyle, even your habits. You have to prepare yourself. You don't need to have habits that are in contrast to the will. Of God. You don't need to have ways that will lead you in a direction that is completely against what God has revealed to you. You don't need to have conduct that when a distraction comes, it will cause you to start cursing. Or saying things you should never utter out of your mouth as a child of God. Don't look at me like that. Some of us will allow our spouse, our sibling, or another family member to cause us to say something we have no business saying. And and we are quick to say, well, I'll just repent. Yeah, but it's time for you to grow up and be mature enough not to allow something somebody has said to get up under your skin to the point to where you start rattling off curse words as though you were a rank sinner. I know I'm telling the truth. You have to prepare your habits, your ways, even your traditions, and, and then once you have prepared or you have settled that you're going to make sure you're Your habits are in line with the will of God. Your ways are in line with the will of God. Your conduct is in line with the will of God. Then you need to establish them. When something is established, in one sense, what that means is that, number one, You're sure, you're sure that, look, this is what I need to do if somebody says something I don't like. This is how I need to act when I'm around folk that do dumb stuff. This is how I need to respond. When somebody says something that gets on my last nerve. You become sure or certain. Because you you have studied to show yourself. Approve based upon the word. And the second thing that establish represents. is, Is that then you make these things permanent. They become permanent. You don't allow anything to move you. You become established. She, she comes to you or your sibling comes to you trying to make you mad. But because you have pondered your ways and you have become fixed or established on staying in the will of God. To your sisters or uh, siblings, surprise, you don't curse them out. I said, you don't curse them out. Why? You done got established. Folks who used to you going off, they, they, they look at you surprised because that's no longer in your, no longer one of your traits. Why? You have become established. But say to your neighbor, it is a process. It's a process in becoming established. Sometimes you will lay the foundation, but then the foundation has to dry. Go ahead and prepare everything. And once it sets in and dries, you're going to be ready for the worst. You're going to be ready when they come talking a whole lot of foolishness. And you're going to surprise them of what comes out of your Look at your name and say, because hope don't test you. I pulled up in one of my cars one time. Smart Alec. Was at the pump. I was getting gas and he just had to come over and just say something. Woo, that's a nice car. Did the church folk buy you that car? He was talking to a fixed man. He was talking to an established man. If he would have said it five years prior to that, it might have been a fight at the park. Back then, I could still use my dukes. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. But he was talking to an established man. I said, you know what? Yeah, God bless me with that right there. And let me tell you something. It show sure right just as good as it looks. <laughs> say to your neighbor, you got to be established. Paul said, be ready to give an answer. Because folk don't test you. you have to prepare yourself you have to be prepared ahead of time do you know tragedy is going to happen in your life the bible says it's once appointed for folks to die do you know people you love going to die in your life but you have to be prepared according to the word So when certain things happen, you will be fixed. And mentally you'll be thinking word. Verbally talking word. And physically doing word. Gotta be a I get ready to close he takes it further he says you don't need to turn to the right or to the left and keep in mind again as a proverb he's teaching a lesson in reference to the terms or the words that he's, he's using. And the understanding from the word comes, yes, in some cases literally, but in other cases metaphorically or figuratively. When it comes to the right, based upon the text it has to do with people and things of influence and power. You're trying to stay focused. You've gotten established. You're looking straight ahead. But now to your right, there are people and things that have power and influence that are trying to pull you off the path. The perfect example in scripture is when Jesus the man physically was at one of his lowest points and he was in a place of emptiness that was called the wilderness. And God had sent him there on an empty stomach in a low state. Get this, to be tempted of the devil. And like it or not, the devil has some power. And you should shout amen. amen. Look who kept you bound for years. It wasn't nobody but the devil. Look who had you stealing from your own mom. Look who had you messing up your own self. That thief called the devil. Or one of his imps called Demons. Oh, you ought to tell somebody the devil, his demons had me wrapped up, tied up, entangled up. They don't 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 leave that person Ask him, say, do you have that same testimony? <laughs> well, it's not a good testimony, but do, have, but do you have that same testimony? And so he shows up. To Jesus. And he starts manifesting his power and his influence. I know you're hungry. He had power to discern his state. I know you're hungry. And, and, and if you are truly God, you know these rocks right here, you can turn... <laughs> these stones in into some bread. And you won't be hungry no more. Trying to influence him to do wrong. Say to your neighbor, you gotta watch things on the right side. Because they have power and influence. And their primary job is to pull you out of the wheel Of God. Jesus defeated. A person of power. And influence. With the word. With the word. That's the reason you you, got to pick up your Bible more than on Sunday. And Bible study. That's the reason you gotta go further than just hearing the message that God gives you on Sunday just at the service. Get it when you hear. but take it with you. Used to be a a song that went completely right but they used to say you ought to take the Lord with you. Some of y'all remember that song. What do you say? Take the Lord with you everywhere you go. In the street? At <laughs> your home? It wasn't right, but we do need to make sure that whatever God gives us as a rainbow, we don't just eat on it on Sunday. You take that message that God gives you on Sunday, that's your rhema, and you nibble on it throughout the week. You may even take a couple of days and and feast on it. What do you mean? You you nibble on it by listening to a little of it, but when you feast on it, you just sit down and say, I'm going to listen to it from start. Jesus defeated a person of power and influence with the word. But Proverbs 4 also that we don't need to turn to the left. Figuratively the left represents Darkness. You holding on? Are the evil deeds of men that they love. I need to show you a scripture. Lord have mercy. Let me show you a scripture. I'm, I'm almost done. Y'all stay with me. John 3. Go to John 3. John the third chapter. Verse 19. Ready? And this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world. Y'all turn down. I want you to see this. Uh, if you haven't got there yet, John three and nineteen. Let me start over. And this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness. Rather than the light represents the word, but men love darkness rather than light, because their these were what. But this is the thing right here. To your left, you have people that are in darkness that are trying to pull you out the church. Girl, you still dedicated to the church? You still ain't got no man? You know you, if you're going to have a man, you got to leave that church. <laughs> They'll start feeding you evil to pull you out of God's will. And get this, because they love it. You, you have people that love sin. And it's crazy love. Because you'll have a woman stay with a man that, that, that beats her. Like he has meals in a day. Beat her in the morning like it's breakfast. Beat her around noon like it's lunchtime. And beat her a little longer like it's supper time. And she stay right there and call it love and has the audacity to tell you, if you get out the church, you can get your man up one like yours. I can do bad by myself. Not knowing you already have a man. What's his name? And you need to tell her when she talking her trash, That you have a man that can't nobody. You better say it to somebody. Can't nobody. Nobody. But nobody. Nobody. Do me. me. That sounded so good. It felt good too. Let's try it one more time. Can't nobody. 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 Y'all got to say it like the preacher said. Can't Nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do you like but there are folk that love darkness that love doing wrong that will try to pull you out not happy for you being in God fixed so you can go to hell wanna pull you out want you to be low down because they low down Want you to be headed to hell. Because they headed to hell. Don't allow anybody. To pull you out of God. Paul said to the church. Of Galatia. After they had allowed a person. To pull them into darkness. He just simply asked the question. Who. Who. Has bewitched you. That you should not. Obey. The truth. And then he told. He said this didn't come. From the one. That called or chose you. Let him know it wasn't Jesus that did this. Somebody untricked you. Out of leaving the best thing that ever happened to you. Somebody untricked you out of leaving the person that freed you from your mess. Somebody done tricked you out of the person that blessed you with a home when you didn't have a yard. No a pop to twirl in. Yeah, I said it. I say, yeah, I said. Say to your neighbor, he blessed us when we didn't have. Because that's what he came to do. And now you're going to let a half man trick you out. A brother's what the old folks used to call a floozy. You're going to let a floozy get you out the church. She 22 and a half and you 61 and you're you, you talking about that's your baby. No, that, 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 that's a floozy trying to text you. I better get back on the text. Say to your neighbor whatever you do. Don't allow someone in darkness to pull you off the paths. Whether it's a woman, a man, a demon, a thing, don't allow it to happen. But get this. The final thing that he says, remove your foot which represents your steps. Remove your foot from evil. You have to understand that even when you look straight ahead, you prepare a ponder your feet. Make sure your, your ways are established you still may end up stepping in evil. You was looking, but... And and sometimes we'll say things. And then we'll say, man, I shouldn't have said that. sometimes we'll mean to do something right but we'll end up doing something else. And then sometimes we'll just do it and we know what we're doing wrong. But in any case when you find yourself in a place of evil or place you have no business being notice again what he says. Remove your foot from evil. Figuratively, he's saying when you find yourself in a place you shouldn't be, repent. And and some of us, you you have to understand that there's going to be times to where you may find your foot there. But that does not mean you're unrighteous. (laughs) I'm going to give you a scripture the reason why. Proverbs 24 and 16 says in in part, a righteous man, a woman, will fall. But guess what they're going to do? They're going to rise. But they're going to rise. You got your foot there, but soon, oh God, my foot in the wrong place. If it's real muddy, when you come up just, Repent and go on. I'm gonna stop. Let's get the Lord a hand in praise.